You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Soft Cell, Non-Stop Erotic Cabaret. In the room, I have Anne. Hello. And on the line, I have Rob. Sexdorf. Ben. I'm getting to like you. <laughs> John. I have job. <laughs> and Jackson. Hi. <laughs> Non-Stop Erotic Cabaret is the debut studio album by the English synth-pop duo Soft Cell. It was released in the UK on the 27th of November, 1981, by Some Bizarre Records. The producer was Mike Thorne, and the genre is synth-pop and new wave. I'm going to read from the book, William Fulford Jones. By the time of 1983's Edgy, The Art of Falling Apart, Mark Allman's take on sex, the sex industry had grown dark. But on non-stop erotic cabaret, Allman and fellow art schooler David Ball approach London's twilights and lowlifes with a wide-eyed romanticism of two naifs up from the suburbs for the first time. The title came from a Soho neon sign. The publication Almond uh, furtively hides on the cover is unlikely to be Melody Maker. The duo took their roles as of ambassadors of sleaze a little too seriously, when a filthy video they had made for the high camp sex dwarf was sent to the tabloids, uh, apparently by the starring midget, the fur led police to raids uh, on the Sun Bazaar Records offices. However, sex is not the sole theme on nonstop erratic cabaret. It is a mix of the credulous and the world weary that wears its debut album heart on its sleeve frustration secret life and chips on my shoulder are portray portrayals of the suburbs in which almond and ball had been raised but the key cuts are youth and closing torch song say hello wave goodbye which set the template for almond's entire career and yes tainted love which was actually the group's third single after dirt cheap EP mutant moments and pioneering dance cut memorabilia made number one in a staggering 17 countries. The band imploded less than two years later when the on the brink almond reacted to a bad review in the record mirror by storming into its offices and lashing the writer with a bullwhip. Later on, he <laughs> smashed the gold records along the hallway. All right. <laughs> What do we yes. think of soft cell nonstop Wow, I like it so much more now. Oh my god, it's awesome. that's wonderful. It's wonderful. They freaking nailed this album. I love it so much. I don't like this album. Really? No. Oh. And I, I I can tell you why, but I'd like to hear. Please do. It. But you should go first. Oh, okay. Um, 
I don't like his singing. And I don't like the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, and once I say this, it's probably going to change. It's hard to unhear. So I apologize for if I ruin soft cell for anyone. But Almond's vocals sound like he's constantly doing a karaoke version of his own songs. Yeah. I don't think I that ruins that. it. I think that it's really campy and that's part of the cabaret aspect of it. Yeah. Like that's what I like about this hmm. in a certain way is that there feels the sheen of it is it feels really performative. Like it feels innocent in certain ways. Like it definitely is like in your introduction, it's like they're definitely naifs or whatever, but it also feels intentional and kind of self-aware in a way that's, campy and fun <laughs> like i gotta agree with ann in that like part of the appeal is that almond as a lead man is is approachable like he i think he said it himself like he's not the most attractive he's not the most talented like he's just there putting this this show on for you you know like he's gonna be the one bringing the energy that's like way over and above what would be realistic while his keyboardist stands back there you know just like backing up the scenery and making sure that he's safe from the crowd <laughs> so i mean not to say that uh ball is a, a bad keyboardist or supporter in any way like those two together sort of set up the synth pop duo like they created that sound if i'm not mistaken doesn't david ball do most if not all of the music i think so yeah i, I think, think you're so. right yeah so yeah yeah, I think I'm a I'm a fan of David Ball and Almond. <laughs> more of a ball guy. Yeah, more of a ball guy than an almond. <laughs> Do you prefer almond joy or mounds? <laughs> Is it almond? Mounds. <laughs> one's, one's got balls. Yeah, they, they they met at art school, uh, and I guess uh, Mark Almond was doing like performance art and. Uh, David Ball was doing the music for his performance art, which then turned into them forming the band itself. Um, That's awesome. I would I would say your first synth pop duo is going to be Sparks, though. That's just mm. uh, mm. sure. That's just yeah. That's just me opining. True. Also, I think that uh, good good feasibility that David Ball took his uh, his mustache uh, from Sparks as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a mustache so. accusation. <laughs> Absolutely, a mustache. <laughs> What is it about synth pop and duos, though? How come like two is the magic number for synth pop? Well, collaboration. I think is because hard. at a certain point, you... sorry, go ahead. Well, sorry. No, no, go ahead, Jackson. Um, just because of the, where the technology kind of landed landed at the time, it's like you could have one person, yeah, like, running everything and the other one kind of mm -hmm. singing, yeah, because you because they you know, and this might be one of the you know can't have been around much longer before this when they had MIDI to sync everything. So they could have, you know, drum mm -hmm. machines synced to whatever synthesizers and samplers they were using. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, and like a, one of the guys could kind of run that. And then, and then you got Mark Allman just doing his thing. Yeah. It's like possible yeah. to have a smaller number of people with like a fuller, like that a band sense. sound maybe that wasn't yeah. before. I just I'd never really thought about that before until you said the thing about Sparks being the first synth pop duo. I was like, oh wow! And then there's Heaven Seventeen, there's OMD, there's Tears for Fears. There, it's just like there's so many synth pop duos. Yeah, 
I would argue that Sparks is a whole other animal, and that just they, were, you know, we're a rock band as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like if you if you start going down that path, then like Suicide is a synth pop duo. Like, mm, yeah. yeah, well, not much pop in Suicide, right? Exactly. So you gotta you gotta sift it out a little bit. Similar setup. Let's not forget Pet Shop yeah. Boys. I'm sure we'll be talking He's, about that. Which, it, they were the first synth dirge duo. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so Pet Shop Boys. When the when Neil Tennant met Chris Lowe, their both of their two favorite singles, one of them was a orchestral moves in the dark song souvenir, and the other one was Bed Sitter oh, by Soft Cell. So awesome. a fucking okay. banger, man. So that, that was yeah. kind of one of the things I, I understand Birch saying, okay, well maybe I'm not crazy about the lyrics about like my dumb chauffeur fucking my sex dwarf or whatever, but yeah, Bed Sitter's lyrics I think are are poignant i think they they make a point like that that sentiment of being like i I don't know you know everybody i think everyone has had this experience in whatever their individual sort of genre of experience was where like you go to a club playing whatever your type of music is that you like dancing with the type of people that you want to dance with and then you come home after that and kind of come down and you're alone you know (laughs) like that like bed sit uh, bed sitter really spoke to me. Like I never lived in a, a one room thing with a shared bathroom, I guess, other than when I was in a fraternity, but that experience of like going back to your room and like having been around a bunch of people and fun and dancing and then like, Oh, now I'm just here. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's like, like, I got it. It's an interesting <laughs> contrast. Cause there's a lot of songs on this that are also about kind of like how boring normal square people life is. Right. So there's like a lonesome longing when you're, participating in your element and in your subculture. And then there's also this lonesomeness about choosing not to do that. Right. It's like, yeah, you're, you're kind of screwed either way. (laughs) For sure. And you know, it's not perfect. It's not like a, I, I don't think it's altogether all that like groundbreaking, but they, they went for a vibe and they nailed it. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, some of the you know, synth and, sounds I think are, are pretty groundbreaking. I mean, it was the first time they had on a shoestring budget. On a shoestring. Right. They borrowed the equipment. 808s on here, classic, you right. know, drum machine. So I think that was the fact that it was uh, disconnected from, you know, we it's some cheesy lyrics or whatever. Uh, maybe Bedsitter is, is, is different, but there's just some. You know, some cheese, some hooky, yeah, things that I mean, we can't don't really work for me. But it does; it is backed up by very solid um, music. Totally, we can't forget. I mean, it's got the word cabaret in the title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it is like this is kind of meant to be sort of disposable and trashy. Yeah. yeah, and and that's what they're you know that's the world that they're singing about, or that you know that Mark Allman's singing. About. Mark Allman is very charming, also. So oh, yeah. I'm not surprised that like, you know, how they got in the, and, and Tainted Love is totally a weird, you know, song for them to, for them to like have their like international mega hit on that probably, you know, they still are getting rich from, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. did you, did anyone Man. else listen to the original ones? The uh, ones the by Gloria table? Jones? Yeah. Look, Gl- yeah. Gloria yeah. Jones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Mrs. It, Mark Bowen. Yeah, which yep. I, it said that Mark Allman was like really into Mark Bolin. That's why he spells his name with the C. So I was like, ooh, interesting. Oh, man. Oh, that's awesome. That's I believe really it. Cool. Of course he was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Do you know where they originally heard uh, Tainted Love? 
at the clubs, right? Is that Northern Soul Dance Party? Fuck yeah, at a casino. Like it, <laughs> it, it goes back to that weird Northern Soul shit that we were talking about with uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, bleeding over into the song that actually knocked rock and roll or rock around the clock off of the uh, longest running single on the top 100 in the United States. Oh, really? <laughs> I love Soft Cells Tainted Love. Tainted Love I, I ran it, for like 53 uh, weeks. That song it's is so dope. Great. And it was it was stuck in my head for like most of my teenage years, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Was that fucking Levi's commercial, right? Like where the dude's in the... Uh, the, 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 in the ex- yeah, yeah. And yeah. with the defibrillators. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it was stuck what? from whenever that commercial came <laughs> out. It was stuck in my head for like six years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was incredibly catchy. The hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> I know. There, there was a commercial advertising something where a dude was on, he was like flatlining on a hospital bed and Tainted Love's playing. And his pulse is like the boop, boop. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Tainted Love's not playing. All the hospital instruments are kind of like sounding like Tainted Love. So the song kind of. Everyone starts just singing the the song like in the commercial. I think it's for Levi's. I don't know. Also, I heard that Tainted Love's one of the songs that you can do chest compressions to because it's the right BPMs. Oh, that's good community service knowledge. Yeah. You're welcome. I love the extended single version where it goes into Where Did Our Love Go? Oh, yes. Uh, I wish. The first yeah. the first time I ever heard that was on the radio. And I get like I didn't realize that the radio was playing an extended version of the song. And I was just I had never heard it go into Where Did Our Love Go again. And it blew my young mind. <laughs> yes. I thought it was so cool. <laughs> it is really cool. So awesome. Yeah. So point of order, though, that's kind of interesting about cover music that I didn't really think about because I'm thinking okay well you know Tainted Love is such a huge song you know they're clearly still getting royalties off of it crushing it but and I was like oh maybe Gloria Jones is getting some of that money because you know she's the one that exposed them to it nope as a performer you don't get any of the money from covers only the songwriters do because all your covers run through like the Harry Fox agency Ed Cobb's still getting paid then. Yeah, yeah Ed Cobb's making Ed that Cobb's money. Yeah. <laughs> he would have gotten the richest out of all of them, probably. Yeah, for sure. It, no, please. Have, I feel like I've told you guys before. Have I told you before about the time when I was in high school and I answered the phone and it was Mark Allman? <gasps> no. What? <laughs> yeah, so... Tell, do tell. When I, so I when, I, when I was in high school, I was working part-time after school as uh, basically as a painter's apprentice. This dude... He was an artist. My mom had taught him when he was in junior high. So my mom knew him and trusted him. So I could go like paint base coats for him and, and stuff, you know? And we, we called him, uh, we called him disco Brett. And he was also an aspiring DJ and he was always making me like cool mixtapes of eighties music that I hadn't heard. And he would go on a lot of trips. And once he was playing some soft cell and he was talking about 
he's like, oh yeah, once I was on this trip and I met Mark Almond, you know, and like we had a few really fun days together. And I was like, no, nah, you're, you're bullshitting me. Like, there's no way. But then like months later, like I'm in the studio and the phone's ringing. He's like, can you grab that? I'm like, yeah. It's like, hello, this is for bread. It's Mark Almond. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you say? Were you like, shut up? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> He's here. He's here. <laughs> no, yeah, he didn't want to get the bullwhip. Don't come with me. Know that. That. <laughs> the bullwhip at the time, had I known. <laughs> That's awesome. That is amazing. What in the hell? That's great. I love it. Uh, I didn't know until this week that Mark Almond's vocals on Tainted Love is actually his first take. He was just doing a run through so they could tweak the settings, but it had just the right emotion uh, and sort of disconnect that uh, it was the one they used. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So wild. I totally hear it. And yeah, I hear it too. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like he he, he is very, you know, bland, not bland, but a. It's like a deadpan thing. Deadpan, kind of. yeah. yeah. There's a yeah, deadpan, but also sounding like sort of desperate behind the. Yeah, I don't know. And that song yeah. is just they were they were so fucking surprised that like it it, it was it hit number one. They they had no idea. Um, it because it it was like a it was what they would do for encores. Like it, it wasn't even like they, they thought it was a throwaway song on the record. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then for, for that to be the one that broke out was, it's pretty crazy. Uh, did you guys read up at all about uh, their manager, Steve-O? Oh yeah. Steve-O, no. The Steve-O? He's, <laughs> he's, he's basically uh, the Steve-O. Father of Steve-O. <laughs> Trust okay, me. Kind of. Proto Steve-O. Um, yeah. Steve-O goes up to him and is like, Hey, I manage bands. I would like to manage your band. Uh, Steve-O is 17 years old and they say, okay, Steve-O, let's do this thing. Um, so Steve-O takes a, uh, like a demo recording of theirs and is shopping around to record labels. He sends it over to uh, the label that puts this one out. Um, but the way he did it was to tape a, like just a, a cassette tape to a bear, like a teddy bear. Um, send it in and on the cassette tape was not any of their songs it was just a list of demands <laughs> <laughs> and the record label thought that was good enough that they gave uh, oh yeah <laughs> they gave them uh, I think 2,000 pounds to record uh, their first single um, yeah oh I would God. pay that that sounds great <laughs> yeah just a list of demands taped to a bear um, These boys have teddy bears. I, I have some savings <laughs> so Tainted Love blows up Sire Records wants to get those rights to like do the distribution over on America's side. In comes Stevo. <laughs> Stevo goes up to Seymour uh, Stein. Goes, oh. goes into Seymour Stein's office, flips his desk over. <laughs> According to Stevo. <laughs> According to Seymour Stein, uh, he said, "Yeah, this guy came in and said, if you don't do good with this record, I'm going to shoot your kneecaps off." <laughs> <laughs> they get signed. Yeah. Is he still they get around? Signed to Can he Records. represent me? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah actually, yeah. yeah. He's, he's absolutely <laughs> still around and he's still and a he's fucking weirdo. He's hiring him uh, and Mark Almond with the bullwhip. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Breaking like, gold <laughs> records. Look, I'm kind of well, sick today. Can you take this bullwhip down? Because I'm I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> they go to New York and they re- they re- like they record the whole record mm-hmm. in New York. Um and they get introduced to ecstasy at that. Uh, and ecstasy was still like a legal drug. Uh, their uh, 
Turns out that their dealer's name is Cindy Ecstasy, and on either this album or another album, she raps. (laughs) (laughs) And they have a drug dealer rap on it. Uh, But according to Steve-O, this entire record was just recorded on Ecstasy from start to finish. They're just rolling the entire time. So they had a whole lot of fun, so much so that uh, when David Bowie said, hey, you guys want to, like, you know, open for me on tour? They said, no. We are soft We don't need this oh, shit. Excuse me. <laughs> they ne- they're, like, they're like one of the biggest bands in the world, and they're still just playing these small, like, gay clubs or, like, just, like, bondage-like festivals and, like, moms are bringing their 12 year old daughters to these shows because they're so excited about tainted love <laughs> oh and my like, God. <laughs> fucking awesome man uh eventually yeah the, the reason why they the reason why they broke up is because they, they got too fucked up and they lost all their money because their manager who was supposed to be taking care of them was doing all dr- about drugs with them and of course so on and so forth yeah. But Steve-O was 17, and he signed Soft Self. <laughs> so you're Twice. saying that Steve-O is a complicated person to have as your manager. <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, three children on sitting on top of each other's shoulders wearing a trench coat <laughs> being your manager is probably not the best idea. Steve-O is a results guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a numbers guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Both. So, Rob, you like Soft Self. Man, I've, I I never heard the record. Uh, Sex Dwarf blew my mind. Cool. <laughs> that was yeah. Because I, I this this track especially is this this is entertain me. Entertain me. Yeah. It reminds mm-hmm. me Sachi of Screaming Simpson and the Ponds. Absolutely. And I was oh, like, yeah. I bet Rob loves this album because like you like that band. Oh wow. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Good call on that. Yeah. Um, seriously. And I like yeah, I, I love them too. Like I totally enjoyed this album, but I was like, oh, it's just this track especially. Is very reminiscent. Or I like the background party whoops. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. In the on the song, yeah, very, sort of cheerleading. I also yeah. like how it goes directly into chips on my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> no, it just like segues right into it. So That's, you don't need to stop dancing. Mm-hmm. You you don't. This whole album is a very horny party. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like true. there's. I, I'm all for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like I know that you know. Mark's, you know, Mark's delivery is like interesting and, uh, you know, definitely not like always on. Um, but I think the, I think the, the backdrop is set with the, with the, you know, with the pretty, pretty precise, you know, program music. And then you've, you, you've got Mark just kind of like totally going off and just like, dude, tell me what, if you, you gotta get a bunch of shit off your chest, you go right ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Remember those like sweaty dance party house parties that we used to have back in Bloomington? Uh-huh. I wish we. I, I, this seems like the type of album we, we could have put on at one of those parties. Oh man! You know, it would have been a horn fest. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I knew Brass obviously everywhere. Love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did know about Sex Dwarf um, because of the controversy about the video. But and I also knew "Say Hello, Wave Goodbye," which remains to be my favorite. I fucking love that oh, song. Oh, it's so it's beautiful. Yeah, it's an awesome closer for an album too. Like, it's a it's a nice finisher after all the like party, and it's like a super easy song to two step to, and it's like got a nice closing sentiment to it. It just has yeah. a sincerity that kind of isn't as present in the rest of it too. Like, yeah, I think it's pretty special that they save that for like the last song. It's like, wow, what do, what did we actually just hear? Because like. 
you know, you don't, you don't think that there's, you know, much sincerity or like goodwill really <laughs> throughout the whole album until that last song. So as to the recording of this record, the wiki just said like, yeah, it was recorded on a, a tape recorder and a synclavier. The synclavier. Yeah. Which is a sampler, right? Yeah. It was like a $120,000 sampler. I don't like maybe it was in the studio no, and they, they just got to play around. They with borrowed it, it. from uh, they, a lady. Yeah, <laughs> they borrowed it. And they were, <laughs> once they borrowed it, that person was very nervous that they would not get it back <laughs> from soft cell. Oh, my God. Of course. Have they met Steve? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were nervous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. They now bro- I'm nervous to know if they ever if she ever got it back. They got it back, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. And you can yeah. relax. <laughs> but they brokered a deal to get to to get that. And uh yeah, it was uh it was some sort of a under the table deal that they, they could uh, obtain this, even obtain this. And there were a lot of people that came up to them after the album was released and said, How did you, did you get this sounds? you know? Because it does have a lot of unique unique new sounds. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, remind me when we get to Thriller to tell you about the controversy with that Sinclavier. With, right, different. It's, yeah. it's quite tight. An Out Magazine, uh, this is the 66th uh, of 100 greatest gayest albums of all time. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Nars is the number one greatest gayest yeah. uh, album of all time, according to them. Hmm. Fair. Yeah, this is, this is just, it's a good party record, I think. I, I, like this. Else, I like what's happening. Does anyone else like Side 2 better than Side 1 in spite of Tainted Love and Sex Dwarf being on Side 1? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah I can hear that. I was yeah. adding up all the... I was because I'm trying to formulate my opinion and I'm adding up all the ones that I like and most of them are actually on side two. Yeah. There's some side two rough ones on bangs. side one. <laughs> Heard that. Yep. I wasn't super crazy about entertain me, maybe because of the way it starts out and I'm not like into musicals. Like it felt like it was like the start of a musical. Yeah. You don't uh, like the so if you swapped entertain me and sex dwarf, I would be all about side two. <laughs> right on. Dude, chips on my shoulder. My it just shakes my butt. Yeah. yeah. I, I put in all caps with an exclamation point. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> and that like that like that Pac-Man sample. And like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like it's like that that popcorn single, that old synth single. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's Marauder, isn't that? Isn't Marauder popcorn? No. Might be. Perhaps Might be. Oh, well. I don't know. I don't think it is. I, I don't know. Yeah. This just this sounds a lot like uh this band sounds like what the B-52s also did is have parties and play at those parties and then develop a sound around those like the scene of the party, the scene of the parties. Totally. Yeah. It's and then Bedsitters like even got that surfy guitar lick mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Man, so about this, the borrowed gear to record, did David Ball just kind of figure out all the, these instruments on the fly or was he already like, if you're borrowing the, it seems like borrowing a synthesizer and then recording an album, there's some steps in between. There is. You had to learn it. 
yeah, he, that, he had a, to have it's not like right. borrowing a guitar, you know. It's not an easy thing to program. Like, yeah, there's a fucking light pen in like a monitor and large floppy disks and minutes of like copying things. Like, it's it's not. I, ha- I have a Synclavier uh, app on my phone, like that kind of like does the same thing. And uh, yeah, it kind of sucks to program on my phone. So I can only imagine what it would be like to try to use the real thing. That had to have taken a lot of work. A lot of to ecstasy. learn how to program that thing. <laughs> a lot of on ecstasy. the fly. Yeah. And right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because if if, the, if he's using this for like the uh, like it, it, the the sequencer on the Synclavier, I think, can play upwards of sixteen notes. Like it was very, very, very rudimentary. Um, but I mean, if he's also got an eight oh eight, that might be like. I, I I don't know how he strung this shit together. Honestly, yeah. it's very impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially for for a debut album too. Uh, I did did note that. Uh, or I think I said before. You know, British lit listeners sort of saw through Almond's uh, pretense and were amused by him, or maybe just didn't care. But it did seem that Americans tended to disapprove of the group's. Uh, uh, what they were going for. And so that that's what they thought ultimately, uh, you know, was one of the downfalls in America. Um, mm. Aside from the, you know, tainted love single is that there are, this is too extreme too, for America. Too S and M to, to Americans are historic sex prudes. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, it's different in Britain. It's not great, but it's like, there's yeah. boobs on TV at least. Yeah, that's true. There's that. But there's a that's lot true. of like, yeah, meh. The title of the album is just like <laughs> yeah. so hilarious yeah. and like and <laughs> just so great. Um, so, so Rob made an uh, allusion to what he thought a soft sell was uh, earlier <laughs> before we were on the record. He did. Uh, but uh, do you guys know where soft sell comes from? I don't know. Actually, I, I was not. looking, but I did not find anything. So what I think I've determined is that it is from an early chapter in a book by uh, John Brunner, uh, who's a sci-fi writer from a book called Stand on Zanzibar. And uh, he won the Hugo for Stand on Zanzibar. And Stand on Zanzibar is kind of like um, a sci-fi book about the future, which he, like, and Brunner, like in 1969, predicted correctly that we would be at 7 billion people by around 2010. Oh wow! So it's interesting to look at and like look at this the chapter that this came from because in it it's it's written in a really weird style, but it has these predictions and it basically predicts like gay pride, legal weed, uh, in vitro fertilization, smartphones, all in this one chapter that Soft Cell takes their title from. So I was like, oh, well, that's that's very interesting. <laughs> so it's yeah, a, it's an astute it's an astute name to to seize. That's yeah, super interesting. Some Nostradamus shit. Yeah. Or it could be a poop, according to Rob. <laughs> or, or, or a poop. Do they come? Did they? Did they say that this was from that particular literary piece? Yeah, it's it's been it's been bandied about that that's where they got the name from was that they were reading you know like they various, they have said that that is yes they have said that they got it from an early chapter from that book the the title of that chapter is the soft cell. Hey, I had one more thing to say about this that I just re- remembered from earlier. Mm-hmm soft sell and like this album is like 
the dark wham. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, wham. Also love wham. I know, me too. But, you know, like, like the other wham. side of the wham coin. Exactly. But doesn't perfect. George Michael have a goatee in wham? It's the opposite. Well, maybe so he, wham is the. Maybe wham is the. <laughs> I mean, I'm sh- I would imagine that at some oh point God. they were all <laughs> hanging out at this non-stop erotic cabaret together. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to visit it. I was hoping it yeah. would be stop. a little more erotic. His his vocals are don't. I think it's pretty erotic. <laughs> don't not doing it for you, what you're into. Oh, okay. <laughs> it might just not be a particular. Be a good little brand. doggy. Yeah. Be a disco dolly, Birch. Also, I, I kept asking Anne if she had heard the album yet, and she's like, "No, not yet, not yet." And then like, I was like, "Have you heard it yet?" And she's like, "Yeah, I listened to it." And I was like, "Sex dwarf." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Solid mantra. Um, Sex dwarf. Yeah, how does everybody feel? Is everybody on the positive? Or we? I don't love every track, but I love dancing to this and listening to it because it's great. Sounds like a positive. This album makes me happy, uh, and for that, I like it. Uh, uh, it's fun, and it's fun to dance to, and it makes me happy. And I like how cheeky and campy they are. Positive for me. Okay, I feel the exact same way as Ben. Okay, positive. I I concur. Positive. Okay. And plus the the sounds that that ball yeah. is getting out of the Sinclair is awesome. Like just the sounds coming out on Sex Dwarf are crazy. The sounds coming out yeah. of the Sex Dwarf are often crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah man. Uh, Mark Allman went out of his way to. I mean, all the stuff that he's writing about is shit that they were into. Like that, that none of this is them just like putting on airs they were hanging out in seedy fucking clubs or going to porno theaters. They were just like, they were into this shit. Like, and so he got to write like, you know, songs for strippers and he's fucking stoked on that strippers. Like he wrote stuff for people to dance to. And I don't think that you get to like a pulps. This is hardcore. If this hadn't like kind of like paved the way, man. Sure. So, and, and aside from, I just love everything about the record. Yeah. 100% positive. It's fucking, it's great. It's, it's super enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was hard for me. It's hard for me to get over his vocalizations. And some of the lyrics are just so cheesy on, on things like, I think, CD films. Was that one's one. rough. That was real rough. <laughs> it just like. Yeah, it's like, don't call the song CD films. Yeah, and it just, some of the rhyming schemes were just so bland. I, I My just, heart is like ice and it's crowded and cold. Yeah, <laughs> I think one of it was like. Hey, that's fine. Give me your line. And I was like, Ugh, oh my Don't gosh. Don't do that. Please. So are you positive, negative, or neutral? I I did add up how many um how many I liked and I, I think it's it's about six. So maybe They just I, passed your class? Yeah. I think they just passed. So <laughs> I think it was very it's a very close, but I think I'm on the positive. Yay. You just got wings. Yeah, I love it. I mean, his because if you had said negative, Mark Allman's going to come to your house. <laughs> <laughs> ben knows him; he'll send him here. Yeah. My favorite. Ben has his fucking phone number. <laughs> My favorite too is when he told that story. He was like, uh, "Steve-O, I think was telling part of that story, and then he he was like." And then I saw him, and he started smashing all the gold records along the hall. What did I do? 
I just joined in. What else could I do? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta support your artist. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Is in your corner if he's your guy. <laughs> I love all of these people. I am on this team. <laughs> All right, awesome. next time we'll be talking about orchestral maneuvers in the dark, architecture, and morality. All right, thanks, y'all. What have I ever done to you but leave you? I don't want to play cat and mouse, have the neighbors looking over at my house. All the secret smiles when I walk in the room. I think I'm gonna crack up soon I'm gonna run away Find a place in the dark Where I don't have to hear the nasty, nasty talk Change my sex, change my hair Be hard to find anywhere Yeah.